Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Welcome to church. Um, so... Uh, Craigie Byrne and Doreen campuses are joining us this morning. Could you help me welcome them by just uh, putting your hands together and saying, welcome, welcome, welcome. We welcome you, Pastor Mark, Jana, Colin, and Teresa. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you didn't have a choice, let's be honest. Uh, they did, but you know. But they didn't. It's a, it's a strange one. But anyway, um, we're going to get straight into the word this morning. Um, I'm... Uh, I didn't actually ask my wife if I should say this. Sometimes you should filter things, but this is what we're going to do today. My commitment to you all, because you know when we all say, let's have an encounter Sunday, everyone's going, but I have lunch at 2 p.m., and how am I going to get out of here? Do you know what I mean? So everyone's freaking out. This is my commitment to you. I don't want you to worry about the time for the rest of the service, but my commitment to you is you'll leave at 11.30. Don't look at your phones. My commitment to you, though, you have my word. My wife will make sure I keep my word, and so will the Lord. Um, but um, that is my commitment, because I don't want you to think about time. I don't want you to think about, oh, because no. the thing is, is that God, God does not need more time with you. He needs your focus. So he does not go, oh, I only move in two-hour services. No, he needs your attention and focus. And so whether you're in Craigieburn, Doreen, wherever you are, in the end, if you give him your attention and focus, God will move, God will speak. And God can teach us a lot. Amen? Amen. Amen. Everyone's like, 11.30, let's do this. Okay. Uh, hey, uh, <laughs> what does Encounter Sunday look like? Well, it's an emphasis on praise and worship. Uh, it is giving him more time for ourselves. And a couple of months ago, we had a beautiful service. And um, we heard so many testimonies about um, experience, uh, people experiencing the intimate and personal love of Jesus. We heard so many testimonies of people literally being called to ministry at that time or maybe help and guidance in the decision of strengthening in that season. Uh, they got a new God word uh, for this next uh, a new season. And so, listen, I want to encourage you today. I believe God can speak to you, uh, but we've just got to be open. Um, you know, we, we were, the team and I were at a conference this week, and... Um, this is what happened at the conference. This guy kept saying to us, uh, it, it's a guy named J. John, incredible minister, and um, he was sharing with us about how Christians want more of God. I want more of him. And he, he insulted us at the same time going, if you want more, 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 you just become a fat Christian. And I thought, that's a good one. Because the idea is not to get more, 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 more and not do anything with it. But for every encounter that we have, it should lead to more people knowing about Jesus in our lives. For every encounter that we have, there should be an empowerment that takes place where we are ministering to others. So if you get touched by God today, make sure it leads to people being reached for Jesus. Let's, to reach a city for Jesus, it'll take you and I to reach our neighbours, our loved ones, and our friends and family, our colleagues first. Anyway, are we ready to get in the Word? Awesome. Second Kings chapter 5, we're just going to do a bit of a Bible study this morning, and uh, we're just going to read uh, a couple of verses at a time, and then let's just see what uh, God speaks to us about. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 1, here we go. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman. Everyone say Naaman. 
Today we're going to talk about Naaman today, the, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But, but, though Naaman, but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So here we have Naaman, and just so you know the end of the story, what takes place is that Naaman gets healed by a man of God named Elisha from leprosy. But this is here we have Naaman, the commander of an army. He had respect and influence. He was successful and powerful. If he walked into the room, he had a presence about him. You would watch him as you walked in. Ooh, he's here. And all of a sudden it says, though, but though he was a warrior, he had... Leprosy. He had a problem. He had a need. He had an area of his life that wasn't going so well. He was sick. And I think many of us, whether you're in Craigieburn, or here in Bandura, we're, we can all be like Naaman. We, we actually all are like Naaman. Life, for the most part, well, it's going well. Like, as in things. Couldn't it be better? Like, you know, maybe you just got a new job or maybe you just got married. Maybe business is booming or finally your kids are under control and things are going, you know, they're not, it's, it's not bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as in we're all, hey, it's, things are going okay. But there's always a but in our lives. There is always something in our lives. So you see this man who would have been looked upon as successful in most people's eyes, Naaman, but yet he had something going on in his life. I want to kind of level out the room in all our locations today and say that no matter what you look like from the outside armour, no matter how well your life is put together, how, and I'm putting myself in this basket, absolutely, no matter how good things are going, guess what? There's always a something. We all have a need. There is always something that we, we need God to move, and there is always an area of our life that we're going, God, please would you move? There's always an area of our life that we're saying, God, like, as in, I really need your touch. I really need, uh, uh, need you to speak into my life today. Maybe there's a circumstance that's got you doubting God. Just before we go any further, it's okay to doubt God. Just in case someone's going, you can't, you can't doubt God. It is a, it's an opportunity to increase your faith, though, in him. Maybe you're stuck in fear and anxiety, a stronghold that you need a breakthrough in. There is always a something. Everyone in this room has a something. Everyone in Doreen has a something. Everyone in Craigieburn, I think Craigieburn's got more somethings than everyone else. But <laughs> By the way, Craigieburn, Doreen, they trapped the drummer today and they've put him in a cage and uh, I don't know what the drummer did, but they're fighting with the sound guys at the moment. They have a something too. Everyone has, he definitely has a something, because when you think, of, anyway, moving on. Uh, but whatever our something is, it should always draw us closer to God. It should always draw us closer to Christ, depending more on him and turning to him more. Let's keep reading verses two to four. As, the, as at this time... Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl. Everyone say young girl. There was a young girl who had been given uh, to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to the mistress, he said, she said, I wish my master would see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman heard this and told the king what this young 
this young girl, this maid, this servant girl, said to her. So as I said earlier, we can all relate to Naaman. We all have a something, but this is the moment that Naaman is different to you and I. This is the moment where where I want us to focus on today. This is the differentiator between us and most of the time Naaman. Because think about this for a moment. Naaman is a commander of armies. He's the second in charge. He has been on killing sprees before. He's been at powerful tables before. He's been victorious in many battles. He had access to all the people you could possibly dream of. But yet in this moment, he listens to a little girl. Two things this tells me. Number one, never underestimate your witness. You might be in a job and you're going, they don't hear my faith talk. They don't know. They don't care if I go to church. Let me tell you something. If, if a, a commander of an army can listen to a little girl, trust me, your voice and your faith is being heard. So as you share it on Sundays or when you share it on the Monday, make sure you understand, never underestimate your witness. What did you do yesterday? I went to church and God moved. God spoke to me. The second thing, and this is where I want to spend most of our time this morning, is that Naaman was desperate. This is the difference between Naaman and most of us most of the time is that here's the thing, we all have a need, we all have a something, but Naaman was desperate. Everyone say desperate. We don't even like saying the word. Like, it's so unattractive, isn't it? Like, As in, you know, Naaman was willing to listen to this young girl, put his reputation on the line with a king. You know, many of us, we have these needs, these strongholds, these areas of our life that we're desiring a breakthrough, but no offense, but you and I, we're not desperate enough. When we hear the word desperate, we cringe, like, like you know, like I was going to do like Damien dances, but I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. You know, uh, when, when Harley was like uh, one and a half years old, I used to say to Harley in front of my wife, I used to say, Harley, like, don't you love daddy? Like, tell daddy you love him. And you know what Alyssa used to turn to me and say? She'd say, babe, stop being so desperate. Like, as in, like, what, what, what? <laughs> why are you laughing? This is true story. I'm sharing my heart with you. Why would you do this? Like, as in, but, but she'd be like, why are you being so desperate? Why does she need to tell you? Like, and I'm like, because I need affirmation from a three-year-old, two-year-old. What's your problem? You know, when it comes to a single man or woman, uh, you know, pursuing the other in the young adult or, young, or single life, let's be honest here, no one wants to come across as desperate. Like... Why are you guys laughing at me? Like, as in, but you don't, right? As in, oh, not, don't, don't be too desperate. Don't, don't show too much weakness. Don't, don't show much too much need. But when I look at my Bible, I see that God moves whenever there's desperation. It was their desperation in the Bible that was key to seeing God move. The, the woman with the blood condition, he, she reached out for him in desperation. The wedding at Cana, when the wine ran out, they were desperate for a solution. The paralyzed man and his friends, they were desperate. They dug a hole frantically through a ceiling to be healed. Zacchaeus was desperate to see God, to see Jesus. The blind beggar in Luke 18, he he screamed, he yelled, mercy, mercy. Why? Because he was desperate. He was desperate. 
Desperate gets you reaching for places, gets you digging, gets you yelling, gets you shouting. It's very uncomfortable. But desperation is key to seeing God move in your life. Desperation is key to seeing God move in your life. And so this is what I know is that desperation, though, is a journey. It is a roller coaster ride. And sometimes there's some strange things and silly things that take place when you're desperate. There's, there's an emotional journey that takes place when you're desperate. There's good desperation and then there's not so good desperation. And as we unwrap and as we continue to look at Naaman, we're going to see this. But this is what I know, that whatever your something is, God is able to meet you where you are. Whatever your something is, whatever your need may be, God is faithful and he is true in all seasons. Whatever your something is, whatever your miracle, whatever your prayer request may be, God is good and he works all things for his good for those who love him. First thing or the next thing we can learn about desperation is desperation in a negative way can make you force things though. You know when you're desperate, you tend to like make things happen. I've never done that in my life. Not, uh, no, like, you know, as in desperation can make you strive in your own strength. And many of us try to push things out of God's timing or in God's timing and make it our timing, right? Like, as in that's just easier. Naaman thought that he could purchase influence and force his way through a breakthrough. Watch this in verses five and six. It says, go visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him, and I will send you an introduction letter. Let, let, let me use my influence and power to make this happen. Then he said, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a lot of silver, gold, and some sheets that everyone would love. And here's the thing. Let me now buy my miracle. Let me not just influence, but now let me buy it. And then finally, the king says, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him. I want you to do this. I'm going to force my way through. And this is what we do with God, right? Like As in we end up forcing his hand, we end up pushing what we want, and we say God did it, but really we did it. Have you ever tried to make things happen instead of trusting God? Maybe God is asking you to wait, stop, but yet you quit. You resigned, or maybe you started something that wasn't ready to start. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean it's all over, but it just means that we need to seek God and lean on his guidance more. Maybe there's a relationship that's not really going the way you want it to go. And so instead of trusting God and the Holy Spirit in this person's life, you choose to manipulate, lie, force your way in to control them. Maybe you're overwhelmed in a current season and instead of doing more, Sorry, instead of resting on him, you end up doing more and more and more. Some of us think that the more we do, the more we give, the more we serve, then I will get my breakthrough. Let me tell you something. God does not need another thing from you. He just needs your desperation. He just needs your hunger towards him. Desperation should always lead us to a greater dependency and trust in God. I remember a little while ago, I was in this meeting with someone and the meeting did not go my way at all. You know when you had a plan for a meeting 
and I said, A plus B equals C. Well, it was A plus B, and it landed on like F, like as in it was way off where I needed it and wanted it to go, and it was a bit of a disaster. And I was really disappointed because I was like, oh, man, I really wanted this conversation to go this way, and you went that way, and now what do we do? I remember going home, and I had this conversation with God. I said, God, I've got two options here. Either I get on the phone, send some emails, make some calls, present my case again, or I pray. For the next three or four days, I begin to pray. And I go, God, like, as in, if it's in your will, like, as in, would you just move this situation? Oh, I can't keep forcing this situation. I, I don't want to manipulate. I don't want to steer. God, if it's in your will, would you move? Five days later, have this conversation, and it is like this, this person did a complete backflip. It is literally like I, I couldn't even explain to you. It's like it never even happened. And I, and I looked a bit full. I'm like, going, but, didn't, but didn't you say this? And they're like going, I don't know what you're talking about. As in like, I think it's a great idea. Let's, let's move forward. Let's do this. And I thought to myself, how often do we choose to jump on our phones when God is asking us to jump on our knees? How often do we try to force things on our phones and say, hey, listen, let me just make that call. Let me just send that text. Let me just do that thing. Speak to that person. When God is actually saying, would you get on your knees? Would you pray? Would you seek me? I had to be desperate enough to look to God. Naaman went to see the king. The king couldn't help. So he gives direction to go see Elisha. So he did. So Naaman went with the horses. This is verse 9 now. With his horses and chariots and waited to see the man of God and went to Elisha's house. And he waited at the door and he knocked. I'm so sorry, Craig, even Doreen. If that absolutely ruined your speakers, I apologize. I, I didn't plan to do that. But Elisha didn't go to the door. Elisha didn't leave his seat. He sent a messenger to this powerful and influential man. He said, he can wait. To this person that was very successful, the king's commander of armies, uh, I'll just send the messenger boy. And this is what he said. Go and wash yourself seven times. Everyone say seven times. In the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Verse 11. But Naaman became angry and stalked. This is not the encounter that I thought I was going to have with God. I thought he would certainly, he would certainly come to meet me at the door. As in, he said, I expected him to wave his hands over my leprosy, anoint me with oil, and then I'd be on my way, call out to the name of the Lord. But, but that didn't happen at all. He's sending me to the dirty Jordan River that is 30 miles away from here. He's making me travel more. He's making me go, like, aren't, aren't the rivers back at home better? Why shouldn't I just wash them there in Damascus or... Abuna and be healed. So Naaman turned and went away in rage. He stalked away and then he just became super duper duper angry. Let me tell you something. Ego is the blocker to desperation. Across all locations, this is what you need to catch today. Your ego, my ego is my blocker and your blocker to desperation. And I know you don't want to hear this. And I know you're like, oh, oh but like I... You don't, no one likes to say, I like my ego, but we are egotistic. 
My ego is what's getting in the way from my encounter with God. Ego is the blocker to desperation. You can be desperate, but still have your expectations and preferences in how you think the encounter will go. You can be desperate and still, still kind of go, this is how I want God to meet me, though. First point is that Naaman expected Elisha to at least meet with him. That's one of his ego moments, right? Elisha didn't even have the respect or courtesy to meet him at the door. When you're desperate, though, just understand this, you're emotional. Desperation can be a very, an emotional situation, and, and it can actually lead to us expecting things that aren't really required. Luke Chapter 5, verse 15, the people were so desperate that they were hoping Peter's shadow would pass them so that they could be healed. They didn't need an encounter with Peter. They just were looking for a shadow. In the end, Naaman, potentially his ego was about to let him miss out on this encounter. We can be so desperate for an encounter. We've got it all set out in our minds and we've orchestrated it step by step. This is the meeting. This is the person. This is the place. But here's the thing. When you're desperate, you've got to put your ego aside. You've got to put your preferences aside. A few years back, I really wanted a word from God. Like, it was about actually senior pastoring a church. And, and I said, God, I seriously need to know that this is you because I do not want to do it if this is not from you. And I went to this conference and I genuinely thought out of thousands, of, you know when you have these moments where you go, maybe if I stand under that light and I just stand right here, maybe it'll look like the light of God is on me and that will be my calling. You guys not think that before? Or, or maybe you wore the, the fluoro outfit and the prophetic person is coming and you're going, out of the 2,000 people in this room, I'm wearing fluoro, they're going to pick me out and then I will know I am called to ministry. That's when I'll know that the calling of God is taking place in my life. And let me tell you something, that is not how God spoke to me. Why not? I don't know why. He spoke to me in the crushing and in the pressing of a moment. He spoke to me when I completely, I did not expect it one bit. It came in a dark moment when I was questioning everything. And it was like God, just as I was walking my dog, it was like kind of going, God spoke to me right then and there. You know, some of us are looking for these encounters, at these big moments, these crescendo moments in worship. But God can speak to you as you're walking out of here today. You can have an encounter with God as you're talking to someone or just looking outside and, and just going, God, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to do? God can use anything at, at any moment to speak to you. When you least expect it. God uses the most unlikely times and the most unlikely people. God uses Sunday morning services, not Sunday night services, but I only encounter God at 5 p.m. on Sundays. Maybe, maybe. I only encounter God when, when, when there's no live stream today, Craigie, Ben and Doreen. They're going, how are we going to encounter God with a live stream, right? And that's going to be difficult. Maybe I only encounter God when my favorite worship songs are being played and this song's being sung in this particular key by that particular singer and we tend to put our preferences on our encounter. Not only did Naaman have 
preferences and expectations about who and how he met, but where it took place. He didn't want to go to the Jordan. He allowed these things to get in the way. He became angry and upset. These are all preferences that get in the way of our encounter. He's saying, I don't want to do it in the Jordan. I don't even want to be seen there. Do not take any spiritual photos of me in the Jordan. Take it in the, where there's good light and it's the golden hour. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, as in, do it at that time. Don't do it at this time. A few months ago, I went to a service, uh, not at Encompass, but at another church. And um, I don't know if I was going to share this, but we're in it. Um, just trying to see how I appropriately say things. Um, so anyway, we're at this service, and let's just be really frank. I did not like the preacher. Are you allowed to say that? Don't say that now. Uh, <laughs> Craigie Byrne, I hear you. Anyway, but I was like going, uh, not, not my cup of tea. You know what I mean? Like, uh, just not my vibe, not my style. Like, as in, and, and when I was listening to them speak, it's not that he was saying anything wrong. He was actually speaking the truth. And it's not that, like, I didn't agree with everything they said, but it's just like kind of going like, like, it's just not how I like to be spoken to. It's just not my vibe, not my style. I'll never forget, there's, there's this moment at the end of the service and there's a response time. And I'm going, I've, I've made my decision. I'm not responding to this. I don't like the guy. It's fine. Are you allowed to say that? We're saying it. Anyway, I, I, I was like, going, I, I can't do it. And I remember the Holy Spirit speak to me saying, are you going to let this get in the way? Are you going to let something that you don't like, your preferences and your expectations get in the way of encountering me? When the response time came, I was not the first person up. There was a huge wrestle. I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's not going to happen. But then the Holy Spirit continued to speak to me and say, you're going up. And I said, yes, sir. And I ended up going up, humbling myself, and I responded. And God broke something in me, my ego, my pride in that moment. And it was like God was saying, I can use anyone. How dare you? Who do you think you are thinking that I can't use anyone to speak to you? And I repented in that moment. God moved in my life and God broke something in me that now when I go to a place, I've always got this lens of going, I can learn at any point. I can encounter God with anyone. I just have to be desperate with a position of desperation. I'm going to invite the worship team up right now. In other locations, after I share this last point, I'm going to hand over to our campus leads. But this is what it says um, in verse 13. And this is where I'm going to land here, is that desperation should always lead us to humility. It should always lead us to humility. You see, in verse 13, it says, but the officers tried to reason with him. So Naaman is really upset. He's stalking off. He's angry. He's totally angry and upset at what's taking place. He begins to walk off, but his officers reason with him and say, hey, would you not come back here? Would you not listen to what the man of God said? If he said something difficult, you would have listened. But he's saying something so easy. Just surrender. 
Just be humble. Just be obedient. It's so easy. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times. Everyone say seven times. As the man of God had instructed him and the skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Everyone say he was healed. He was healed. He was healed. Naaman would come and receive his miracle in the same way he started, with humility. Humility is what got him to listen to this young girl in the first place. Think about this. It was humility that got him to listen to a young girl that was below him, that was his servant. He was desperate. He was humble. It was when he got angry and he got upset and everything was going wrong, it was humility. It was humility that got him to listen to his officers, the people that he would talk to and tell them what to do. He taught them everything he knew, but at this angry moment, he's listening to them going, oh man, maybe they're right. Maybe I should just listen to this guy. It's humility that made him get a little bit uncomfortable and say, I'm going 30 miles more to see if God can touch me. I'm going 30 miles more for my miracle. I'm going to travel a little bit more. And let's see if God moves. It was his humility where he dipped himself in a dirty river seven times. He didn't see nothing six times in. He didn't see anything change. He didn't see any glimpse of a miracle, but on the seventh time, can you imagine the the emotions he's feeling in his desperation? He's gone, I've been here so many times. This pain has been in my life for so long, but he was just desperate. And in his desperation, he was humble and obedient to the instruction of God. And on the seventh time, he looked at his body and it was as smooth as a young child. We're going to close and get into some time of worship in all our locations. I'm going to level the room out once again. Everyone in this room, everyone in Doreen, everyone in Craigieburn, let me tell you something. Every person in this room, on stage, off stage, prayer life, Bible carrying, it doesn't matter. We all have something. We all have, whether you know it or not, you have something. There's a need. There's a breakthrough. There's a miracle that you're waiting for. That's not the question today. The question is, do you have, isn't, do you have a need? The question is, are you desperate? Because everyone here has a need. The question is, are you desperate? Are you desperate for Him to move in your life? Right now, I'm gonna, can we thank our Doreen and Craigieburn locations for joining us? Pastor Colin and Pastor Mark or one of your MCs will uh, begin to pray and actually lead in a time of worship this morning. We're going to just have a time of worship where the song that we're going to sing is 
Literally, it says, I'm desperate for you. I think it's an, it's an older song. Who sings the song? Is it Michael W. Smith, is it? Or um, I think, it, I don't know. It's called Breathe. But would you stand to your feet this morning? And I'm asking you today, and, and I'll be honest with you first, I'm desperate. I got a lot of somethings, and I'm desperate for God to move. I can't be desperate for you. Only you can be desperate for you. But I need God more than ever. I need to hear from Him more than ever. I need to sense His presence and peace more than ever. I need His strength more than ever. So I'm desperate. And I'm asking you today, not for my sake, but for your your sake, will you be desperate? Would you close your eyes? Just out of response to today, would you just lift both hands? If you're saying, God, I'm desperate for you. I am desperate for you. I am humbling myself. I'm putting my ego aside. I'm putting everything that is stopping me, my preferences, my expectations, all those sorts of things. And you're just saying, God, I am desperate. this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.